Ain't you glad God is so good? Ain't you glad that he is almighty God? And he can turn bad things into good things. Amen. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that we get to come for a salvation celebration every week. I thank you that we don't walk into a house that feels like a funeral every week. But we come to celebrate our king. We come to celebrate what you've done for us. Praise your glorious name. It ought to be an exciting place. It ought to be a joyous place. Because you're here. Well, we thank you for the good that you've done in our lives. And we will glorify your great name today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Ain't you glad you got a place to go worship that is just doesn't feel like a funeral when you walk in the house. Amen. You ever been to those places? Well, I get asked sometimes uh, about what the Lord's doing at Sand Springs. And it just dawned on me this week. Just, this just this week. I know there's, you know, so many things that's led to it. But we got the secret sauce at Sand Springs. We got the secret sauce. And it's called the oil of joy. Amen. The oil of joy. We're going to be preaching on uh, joy for the journey to today and then the next Sunday. Uh, just talking about uh, the journey of life. You know, life can get heavy sometimes, can't it? It can be a struggle sometimes. I mean, I deal with heavy stuff on a daily basis in and, and, and ministry. And, and if you're not careful, it'll, it'll kind of it'll weigh down the corners of your mouth. But... Uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Well, uh, our brother Dean Elrico, I guess he'll be in the next service. He and I were fishing one day, and uh, oh, there you are. You're here. See, we're, we keep count. You know, we're looking for you, brother. <laughs> brother Dean and I were fishing one day, and he was telling me about his boat that he had in Seattle, Washington, and it sounded like an amazing, beautiful, fine vessel. Woodwork all inside. Uh, and, and, and there in Seattle, of course, you're going out into the Pacific Ocean. It's kind of a big deal. you got to have all the navigational devices and all that stuff. And he had to take classes in order to... You know, here in East Texas, we all got boats. I think I got a half dozen. Uh, <laughs> but there, and when you're going out in the ocean, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, but this, this boat, they would have family trips in their boat. It's like a big cabin boat thing. And, and he said that thing moves. I think... Tell me if I'm wrong. Eight knots. Eight knots. With the current behind you, that's the speed of smell. That's how fast that is. That's, that, is <laughs> that is moving slow. I mean, <laughs> but you don't even know you, you don't even know it in me, brother. He said that they determined that when they got in the boat, vacation. And man, I got to thinking on that. I'm, I'm changing how I do vacation from that point forward. Because so many times we're trying to rush to get to the destination because that's when the vacation actually began. In my mind, it's a mindset, isn't it? And so, you know, you got gals in the car and it's like, well, there's a coffee can. Literally, I'm gonna, I shouldn't say this. We literally used to travel with a coffee can with my mother. <laughs> She raised five children, and uh, when we were going places, there'd be a coffee can. I know it's too much. It's too much information for you to know. 
You had to go to the restroom. That was it. You get back there and go in that coffee. Because we're going places, man. You know, got five kids in the car. You don't want to continue with five kids. You want to get there. But <laughs> if you take on that mindset that the vacation begins when you get in the vehicle, it just it, it changes everything. I have been around religious groups that that believed that we were meant to suffer on this. Now, we all go through suffering, and Jesus said we would. Jesus said, don't be surprised when you go through suffering. But they believed that it was our passage in life that we were supposed to suffer, and the more you suffered, the more rewards you were building up when you got to the destination. And, and, and literally believed that. Now, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But then he said this, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. So I, I just, that one verse kind of breaks that whole mentality. But, but I know that, that I am, it was a few years back, I was passionate this church and things were getting heavy and, and, the, and, and the church wasn't growing. We were just kind of doing this plateau thing and, 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 and just constant struggle in and out. And, and, and I'd lost my joy and I was just struggling through and just doing ministry and just kind of daily struggle. And the Lord spoke very clearly and said, you should enjoy this. You should be enjoying this. And it, it just kind of shocked me. It's like, I didn't know that was part of the job description. <laughs> and, but the Lord himself said, you should be enjoying this. How many of you have raised your kids only to look back and say, I should have enjoyed that more. It went through so fast. Now they're grown and gone and I should have, I should have intentionally enjoyed my time with them when they were enjoyable. Now they're not. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just serious. Uh, but we, we sometimes, I know I am so task-oriented that I am I, I'm so focused on the task. And like with my sons, I was so focused on I want to raise them into good, godly men. Now, that was my task. That, that I would fail to enjoy the process. I remember Brother Vic Taylor telling me, and he raised two sons, and each of his two sons had a bunch of sons. And uh, he said, don't forget to have fun with your kids. Best parental advice I've ever gotten in my life. Don't forget to have fun with your kids. If you're having fun with them, then they're an open sponge into what truth that you have to pour in them. They'll receive it. That's just a little side note. But don't forget to enjoy this process. There should be joy in your journey. You're not meant to just, just endure life. You're meant to enjoy life. Amen. Can you, can you rejoice with me this morning? Can you say amen with me? Psalm 16, verse 11. I love this verse. It's now going to be my verse to memorize. Psalm 16, 11. You will show me the path of life. It's, I'm going to make this the theme verse of this sermon and next week's sermon joy for the journey you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy amen at your right hand are pleasures forevermore man i love that in your presence is fullness of joy well i will tell you um there is a way to lose your joy and sin will absolutely kill your joy sin will kill your joy i know it's not popular to preach on sin uh, but if we continue to live in sin, we'll continue to live without joy. And so David, uh, I love looking at King David because he makes me feel pretty good about myself. 
Uh, King David was King David was a big time sinner. Uh, committed adultery with a gal named Bathsheba, and it's an easy way to remember her name because she was taking a bath when he saw her and said, "Oh, Sheba." So he brings her to himself, commits adultery with her, has her husband killed, and upon her husband being killed, the prophet of God comes to David and says, David, you have sinned. Now, he was just con continuing to live on as if nothing ever happened, and, and the prophet Nathan comes and says, you have sinned. If you look in your Bible, Psalm 51, now, this probably won't be on the screen because I don't think it's part of, but if you, in your Bible, there'd be a little title note right under the the, the address, Psalm 51, a prayer of repentance. Here's what it says. To the chief musician, they would sing this song. They would sing this song. A Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So forever in the scriptures, here is David's prayer of repentance. And he says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Can you imagine somebody singing your prayer of repentance? Making a song out of it. I've had some doozies. <laughs> so Lord, I don't want you to ever remember this anymore. And yet they're singing this song thousands of years later. They were singing this song. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Check out verse 8. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. I don't know if you've ever, uh, well, yes, I do. I know you. Spent time in sin, and you know during that season of sin, the dryness in your bones, the darkness that you feel, the brokenness. You've done it, haven't you? I know I have. Because the Bible says we've all sinned. All in short of the glory of God. Just think about a, a day in which you spent that day in sin. How did you feel at the end of the day? Just, just a, a, a dryness, a brokenness, a guilt, a shame, a, a, just almost a nothingness that the emotions have just turned so sour. But then that, just compare that to another day and a day that you have spent in fellowship with the Lord. How do you feel at the end of that day? One word, joy. Amen? Because in his presence is fullness of joy. David cries out to God, make me hear joy and gladness. In verse uh, 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Check out verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Whose joy is it? His joy of his salvation, the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. 
David cries out to God and says, I've lost my joy. I know why I lost it. Because sin kills joy. Doesn't it? Would you agree with me on that? I mean, if you can't say amen, say on me. Sin kills your joy. But God restores it. Amen. He is merciful. The Bible tells us his, his mercies are new every morning. And I'm so thankful because I need them about every morning. In Luke chapter 2, the angels come declaring that Jesus is going to be born. And the angel said to them, do not, this verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy. Good tidings, great joy. Jesus is coming. And, uh, and even in the scriptures, it tells us that Jesus was a man of joy. Now, I know we, we have another scripture in our mind that he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. I'm going to tell you where those sorrows came from. They came from our sins that were laid upon him. And it came through the sorrows of struggling with people who were, were, were sinful. But I believe his nature, how he naturally was, was man of joy. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. It, it is referring to God and what he has done for Jesus. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, you'll notice it's capitalized, anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Now, not every translation, but I preach out of the New King James. The New King James, if it has it capitalized, you know that it's referring to God or Jesus. And so, this passage of Scripture is saying that God anointed Jesus with the oil of gladness, the secret sauce. That's the secret sauce. The oil of gladness more than his companions. What does that mean? He was the most joyful guy around. He was the most joyful guy around. When there was a wedding in Cana, they invited Jesus. They invited Jesus to come to the wedding. Are you going to invite someone to your wedding that's going to come in just stern and serious all the time, arms folded, angry, like all the old budget films of Jesus? It's always so serious. I mean, he also was blonde haired, blue eyes, which don't make any sense. But he's always so serious. If you would read your scriptures with Jesus having all of the emotions, you will read them differently. You will read them differently. Some of his parables are just funny. They're just crazy. And he meant, I believe he meant for them to be funny. Like when he would tell, you, you want to point out a speck in your brother's eye and at the same time you got a plank in your own eye you know, we read it as if it's serious like he was so stern always he was making fun of them and i can imagine that he had, he's cutting up and playing around with them no they invited jesus to a party and uh when the party started to die off who did uh who got called to the task jesus they're running out of wine said no problem <laughs> and jesus fixed up the party I know that might shock some of you. you. You know that passage of Scripture, and you've tried to sanctify it and try and make it sanctimonious, but Jesus wasn't always sanctimonious. The fact is, he was referred to as a drunkard at once. What, Jesus? Yeah, see, I think he had fun. I think, I'm not talking about drinking. <laughs> Sorry, that thing that just went, took a left turn. <laughs> I'm not saying I did not give anybody in here license to go out and get sauced this evening. That's not the secret sauce I'm talking about. 
That's not it. <laughs> but Jesus was a man of joy. In fact, the kids loved to climb up in his lap. Would children love to climb up into a grumpy Gus's lap? No. I, I love when I come into the church and, and, and Cassie's kids see me and they come around and, what an Eric! What an Eric! <laughs> I love it. Some of your kids come up and give me a hug. And I mean, I love it all y'all give me a hug, but I don't know, something special about the little ones. Something special. Do you think if Jesus was out like the movies portrayed him, do you think that the kids would love to sit in his lap, hang out with him? So much so that the disciples were like, you got to get some of these kids away. They're just all over him. Just get them on. No, Jesus was a man of joy, joy. And the Lord had anointed him with the joy of gladness more than his companions. Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the cross, this man of sorrows that acquainted with grief, that was connected to the, the cross. But Jesus was able to look past the cross for the joy that was set before him. So what was it that gave him that joy? Past the cross. I'm going to tell you, you and me being connected to him because of the cross. Because of the joy set before him, he, he endured the cross, despising the shame, but he continued past the cross because of his joy. He was a man of joy. Now, I want to look with it at, uh, at the book of John. And John, it tells you how you get your joy. Anybody in here ever lost your joy? Every hand ought to go up. If you are a child of God for any length of time, you've lost your joy. I've lost my joy numerous times. And in the, in the recognition that I've lost my joy, I knew where to go get it back. I knew whether or not I was going to do it, it really depended on how miserable I was for how long. Because sin promises fulfillment, but you do know the devil is a liar. He, he, and, and, and even though sin promises fulfillment, once the pleasure has passed, what you recognize is the joy has faded. And if you continue down that sin cycle over and over, once the pleasure has passed, the joy has faded even more. And the pleasure has passed. Oh, it was pleasurable for a moment, but it has passed and the joy has depleted. And pretty soon you find you have no joy left. And you want it back, don't you? And finally, you reach a point of desperation to say, I'll do whatever I have to do to get it back. In John 15, Jesus says, I'm the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. And then here's the secret. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide, this word gets used over and over and over, abide. So joy comes when I am in fellowship with Jesus. 
It comes when I am abiding with him. What is it to abide? Well, it is to, to reside with, to, to fellowship with, to spend time with. I, I go back again. If you spend a day doing sinful practices, how did you feel at the end of the day? But if you spent a day just fellowshipping with Jesus, how did you feel at the end of the day? The promises of sin never play out. But the joy of the Lord will come and we abide in him. Amen. Does anybody, anybody know that to be true? Amen. Amen. I was wondering. So, verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. So it is a recognition that he loves you. Now, this next verse can confuse you, but I'm going to come back and explain it. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. If you break his commandments, does, his change his, does it change his love? This is where that gets confusing. It's not what it's saying at all. It's not saying that if you break his commandments, he quit loving you. It's just that you quit feeling that he loves you. Just like when Adam and Eve broke his commandment, they ran from him without him saying a thing. Your, your, your emotions take over and, 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 and now you run in fear rather than the feeling of, no, he still loves me. Jesus said, abide in my love. Don't ever get pushed off of the foundation that he loves you. Don't ever do it. As long as you remain in that love, the understanding that he loves you, then you will have his joy. Now, we'll keep reading it. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be what? Full. Don't you want to be joyful? Don't you want to be full of joy? Then if we continue to remind ourselves, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen. When life gets heavy, sing that song that you learned in children's church and Sunday school and VBS. Remind yourself, he loves me. He, st he still loves me. He knows me and he still loves me. Amen. Nothing can change his love for you. I, somebody need to hear that today. Somebody need to hear the fact that you can't sin so big that he quit loving you. Can't do it. It is by grace you have been saved, not of works. You didn't earn his love. You didn't earn it. For God freely loved you. He gave you salvation through grace. You didn't earn it. You didn't lose it. You don't have to earn it back again. You just continue to remind yourself that he loves you. And three times in three chapters, Jesus says this business about that your joy may be full. In chapter 15, verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy, whose joy? Jesus's joy. I don't know if you missed that the first time I said it. Jesus's joy might remain in you and me and that our joy may be full. Amen. Chapter 16, unless, uh, until now you have asked nothing in my name, Asking you will receive that your joy may be full. Chapter 17, verse 13. But now I come to you and that these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. In chapter 17, Jesus is praying to God. 
And John was there when Jesus was praying and recorded Jesus' prayer to God. Not like by digital, but he was writing it down. And he, and he recorded this prayer, and Jesus is praying to the Father, mentioning me and you. Telling the Father that he wants his joy to be full in us. He wants us overflowing with the joy of Jesus. Amen. So are you overflowing with the joy of Jesus? If you're not, how about today? You get your joy back. Amen. How about today you get your joy back? Going over those chapters again, chapter 15, verse 11. These things are spoken to you that my joy remain in you and that your joy may be full. What is he saying? By abiding in him. Fellowship with Jesus will fill your joy tank. It'll fill your joy tank by fellowshipping with Jesus. Chapter 16, until now you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Partnership with Jesus will fill your joy tank. Amen. How many of you have prayed a prayer and the Lord answered your prayer and you were just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't believe God has worked on my behalf. The Bible says he answers our prayers when we are praying in his will. And so you have partnered with him in his will and he worked on your behalf and the joy tank was filled to overflowing. Amen. The scripture says it's his joy. It's his joy overflowing in us. Well, amen. I hope that you're joyful this morning. By the looks of some of you, some of you you're not. But uh, <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you'll get some of it before you get out of here. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm telling you, it's the secret sauce, the oil of joy. Uh, Psalms, uh, not Psalm, Isaiah 61. Turn there in your Bible. I started this year, I tell you, every year I start off seeking the Lord what his vision for this church is. It's his church. So I want to know where he wants to take this church. I don't, I don't live by my vision. I live by his vision. Amen? That's how I lead. So I start off with 21 days of prayer and fasting. This year the Lord has reiterated that we are to be living out of that Luke 4 passage where Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. We preached five times on every point of that passage of Scripture. He was actually preaching from Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and that's where he stopped. Isaiah 61 continues, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Verse 3, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. I did not realize until this service, I missed it the whole first service, the last song we sing, he gives beauty for ashes. It's this verse of scripture. It's right out of here. Uh, the Lord's pretty cool how he does things sometimes. It, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. If you came in here heavy, I pray that you leave with a garment of praise. How do we get heavy? Well, 
you allow the world and the cares of it to weigh you down. Jesus actually gave a parable, and it was a, a pretty cool story. One of my, the ones I use probably more than any other parable, the parable of the four souls. I get made fun of because how I say soul, people don't know if I'm saying soil or soul, and it's an obvious difference. It's soul. So, <laughs> So I don't say soil, it's like I don't say oil, it's oil, all right? And sometimes it's just earl. So the four, the four dirts, the seed fell one in the road, and because the road was hard like some of our hearts, it did not receive the seed. The seed fell in the shallow soil, and like some of us were shallow, and even though the seed sprouted, it didn't have root because we just want a little surface-level Christianity. We just want somebody to just give us a little devotional thought so I can come and check on the calendar. I went to church Sunday. That's shallow, by the way. God don't want you being shallow. He wants you to have root. He wants you to dig into the meat of his word. He wants you to have some substance in your life so when the heaviness of this world comes, you last. Amen? The third soil, that seed landed in that soil in which there were briars and vines. And that was referred to as the cares of the world. And that stuff choked out that plant and that fruitfulness. But then that fourth seed, it landed in good soil that somebody had been preparing. Somebody had been managing it. Somebody had been tending to it. And because of it, it was fruitful. It, heaviness comes when we let the cares of this world, just like that little plant that was trying to grow, and those vines were, were breaking it down, weighing it down. Heaviness comes when you watch too much news. And heaviness comes. Heaviness comes when you spend too much time in the problems and not enough time with the Savior. Heaviness comes. But the scriptures tell us he gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Verse 7, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. This is a reference to Jesus. When This is a prophetic uh, 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 writing from Isaiah the prophet referring to Jesus. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Amen. Don't you want some of that? Amen. Verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Amen. Don't you just want to be just... Instead, instead of the heaviness of this world, that you just come and lay them down at the feet of Jesus. He just take that junk off of you. Cover you with a robe of righteousness. Psalm, I mean, Romans, for those who have been religious in your time, I have. Romans, by the way, um, I got to see how, how deep I can go into this. I get asked things like this all the time. Is it wrong to do this? Is it okay to do this? I know I just referenced drinking previously. That one's a big one. I had this discussion with pastors this week. 
pastors that struggling with, is it okay to, to do this and to do that? We were with a group of pastors and, and, and several of them were smoking cigars and, and some of y'all, that just wigs you out right there. What in the world do a pastor doing smoking a cigar? And then the question came in my pickup truck as the four of us are driving back. I could not believe those pastors over smoking cigars. <laughs> I'm like, really? And they said, don't you think it's wrong? See, now you are really interested in where this is going. <laughs> don't you think it's wrong to smoke a cigar? I know, first and foremost, you know that smoking a cigar is different than smoking a cigarette. Really? You don't inhale a cigar. Really? So anyway, sorry, y'all didn't not know that. I said, and guys, why do you care what they're doing? Why, who are you to judge another man's servant? That's straight out of the scripture, by the way. That's straight out of the Bible. Who are you to judge another man's servant? I said, and, and furthermore, I want to live, you're eating from the wrong tree. <laughs> I said, I want to eat from the tree of life rather than the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because so many of us are so concerned, is this right, is this wrong, is this right, is this wrong, that you're so weighed down because you're trying to eat from the wrong tree. And it's all about relationship. I said, what I want to do is I want to live so in tune with the Holy Spirit that even if it's not written in the Word and He says, uh-uh, I say, uh-uh. If it's in the Word, that's a clear one. That's a clear one. By the way, smoking cigars is not in this. So... <laughs> I said, so I want to be walking with the Lord so clearly that, that I don't want to lose my joy by doing anything that would be contrary to, see, it's not necessarily my conscience. We'll use that word, but what it is, it's the Holy Spirit. I don't want to do anything that caused me to lose my joy, but I'm going to tell you what it caused me to lose my joy real quick, religion. Religion. I don't remember where I was going with that. Oh, I do now. Romans. In Romans, it says the kingdom of heaven is not eating and drinking. Not eating and drinking. And that was a reference to religion. Because they were saying you can't eat this, you don't eat that, you can't drink this, you don't do that. Romans, it says the kingdom of heaven is not eating and drinking, but the kingdom of heaven is righteousness and you need to understand that is right standing with God. Number one, righteousness, one-third of the kingdom. Number two, peace. You need to be at peace with God. And then number three is joy. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It ain't religion. It's relationship. And out of that relationship, if I am in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I am in right standing with God. Amen? And that gives me peace because I'm in right standing with God. Righteousness, peace. And what's the third one? It gives me joy when I am in right standing and also have the peace and I have the joy. I just want to be close to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, I hope you came with your joy this morning. I hope you would... You know, when something's full, you know when it's full is that when it gets bumped, it spills over. I hope that as you came in the house today, somebody bumped into you, your joy spilled out on them. Your joy spilled out on them. I pray that you, if you came in here with a spirit of heaviness, 
Notice that spirit was a little s, not a good spirit. The Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is one, love. That's the first one that's listed. Guess what the second one is? Joy, joy, joy. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Lord, I pray that we would come this morning replacing this spirit of heaviness with a garment of praise, that we are celebrating our Savior today, that we are celebrating our salvation today, and that we would be a people of joy. So full of your joy that we're splashing all over, folks, just spilling out everywhere, and that you would just continue to fill us up over and over. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's take communion. Let's take communion. I know this service went a little long because I got off on a couple soapboxes. You can stay seated or you can stand, whatever posture you want to take, however you want to do it. I get asked often, why do we take communion every service? I was asked this last Sunday. I, I'm thankful when somebody asked me this. I want you to ask me this. I was asked this this Wednesday. I want to remind myself constantly where my strength comes from, where my salvation comes from, where my joy comes from. If Jesus was a man of joy and I have received Jesus, shouldn't I take on his characteristics? Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You, you didn't just come to die for us. You came and lived for us. And you showed us what it looks like. And the Father poured out on you the oil of gladness more than your companions. I pray that I have the oil of gladness more than my companions. I'd be the most slap-happy, goofy, joyful person around. When somebody asks me why I'm so goofy, why I'm so joyful, I just point to you, Lord Jesus. I've got you in me. I take on your joy. Your joy will be full in me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name. Place that old spirit of heaviness. By the way, it is a spirit. Mm, this is where it didn't get good. It is a spirit. The blood of Jesus Christ breaks every curse and repels every false lying spirit through the power of his blood. We take the authority over a spirit of heaviness this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the blood. Cross has the final word. The blood was enough. And you and your scriptures tell us that you put on display the defeated demons because of the cross. Thank you for the blood. The spirit of heaviness has to get off of your people. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.